Can we just add zeros? <laughs> you could just add zeros. I don't know. I thought we were recording before anyway. We weren't. That was, it would have been a good start. We're trying to, uh, in our heads, figure out how many Satoshis are. There's 21 million Bitcoin. How many sats are there? 100 million sats per Bitcoin. I think it's 2.1 billion. I think that's way off. I find oh, yeah. That's got to be way off, way right? Off, dude. We're like in the quintillions, I'm pretty sure. Oh, it's trillion. Is it 2.1 trillion? That's right, right, right. You're just putting zeros into your calculator? Right. Thousands, millions, billions, trillions, quintillions. 2.1 quintillion. It's not 2.1 trillion? Nope. Your boy was right this time. Marty Math. Okay, well, we'll stick with Bitcoin when we talk about total supply. What 21 is up, freaks? million Bitcoin. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. You just uh, walked into our, our mic check moment there. I hit, I hit record because it was funny. Because I owned Matt, Matt in a math problem for the first time ever. You used the calculator. But I had it right in my head. I said quintillion before I checked on the calculator. You know, it's been a long time since I've messed up a SATS conversion, so I had it coming to me. Hey, who knows? There's a good chance I got it wrong on the calculator, and I'm going to get corrected by a freak out there. So let me know. Don't trust Verify. Right now, uh, it's Friday. We recorded. We just recorded an episode with Janine from Block Digest. That was an incredible hour and some change there with Janine. That was fun. That was badass. It was very badass. We're uh, we're sitting at uh, $8,031.35, according to the TFTC.io ticker. We're currently at block 596-866. And uh, hey, a word to trade block out there. We've seen some of your representatives. We need an open API. We would love to use the trade block XBX index on our ticker. We just need that free price API. Just, hey, just let us know. Um, you got anything to say to that, Matt? Like, what do you think? I mean, they should, you know, why, why wouldn't they? they, they should be careful because we might have to come up with the TFTC index, the best index of all Bitcoin. This is true. We could just start our own. I do have, uh, uh, experience in indexing financial products. So maybe we can what, make this happen. What's the current sats per dollar? Uh, sats percent. It was like 126 when we were at Baruch yeah, earlier so today. 12, 600 sats per dollar right now. Yeah. If I can steal. Yeah. Um, 12,000. Yeah. 12,600 steel for sats. We were under 10,000 for a while there. So we still are. No, I'm saying sats, <laughs> sats, oh, per dollar. Oh, sats per dollar. Uh, yep. Um, yeah, we had a great, we've been, Hey, Matt and I've been together all day. We were at brew college earlier this morning, uh, molding the minds of the youths of the world talking about Bitcoin. That was a little chaotic of a, of a presentation. We're getting we were, better though. We were all over the place. We were at state resistance. We were at stacking sats. Yeah, we yeah. used the Blockstream satellite. We tested that out. Yeah, we did. Uh, we did a live sat node test. Uh, shout out to the students at Baruch College. This class in particular was very engaged, more engaging than the last semester. Yeah, you've done it what four times now? I've done it twice. Yeah, I think it's my fourth or fifth time. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's always fun. Always fun. Shout out to to Charles who runs that class. Great Bitcoiner. Yeah, I wish I had a professor like that. Yeah. Yes. S- dope professor. Um, before we hop into the topics, we got a few topics to talk about. This is what we're here for this week. This is rabbit hole recap. We're here not to talk about our lives, but the topics of the Bitcoin world. Uh, but before we do that, i going to give a shout out to our sponsors. You already know all about them. Uh, first up, we have the Cash App. Use the code StackingSats if you have not downloaded the Cash, cash App yet. StackingSats, S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. Download the Cash App. Use that promo code. You're going to get $5. $5 is going to go to Owls Across. And guess what? You're going to use that $5. You're going to be able to stack SaaS with it. You're going to be able to buy Bitcoin uh, 
via the Cash App. And then once you have enough and you're comfortable taking your UTXs into your own hand, you're going to be able to send it off to a personal wallet. Uh, and then you can also send money or, excuse me, Bitcoin from a personal wallet to the Cash App and to sell if you need to. And on top of that, they have their Bruce program. You get a personalized debit card. You get a merchant's. Uh, they had Nike uh, on last weekend. You could save 10% of Nike last weekend. I like my coffee boost, uh, my Whole Foods boost, and I used Chipotle yesterday. So use the code stacking sats. Get that $5. Get $5 owls and start stacking sats today. We got some New York helicopter background music flying over right now. It's a beautiful day in New York City. Great fall day. The weather is perfect. It's a perfect day for a poem from our friends from Bull Bitcoin. A, like caution, yes. a cautionary tale from bullbitcoin.com. As Bitcoin rebounds and things get exciting to newcomers, number go up sounds inviting. They sign up to Coinbase to investigate the chatter and are served up a hot, steamy shitcoin platter. EOS and Ripple and Bcash oh my, the graveyard were stacked. Sats of noobs go to die. A swing and a miss, they didn't connect. The diversified bundles are now fucking wrecked. Noobs don't deserve this. Their gains are on ice. At least now they know hodling Bitcoin will suffice. So buy on bull Bitcoin if you're in Canada, eh? No alts, no noise, and it's staying that way. Visit bullbitcoin.com to buy and spend Bitcoin in Canada or bitcoinoutlet.com anywhere in the world to grab some awesome swag uh, and not look like a pleb. Matt's actually wearing some of their swag right now. It's a pretty dope hat. Fucking awesome hat. The bull Bitcoin guys, like, they were all over Riga. They were great. Hey, if, awesome. uh, if this is really the end of Bitcoin and Bitcoin is going to fail. I think you guys have have some uh, a career in poetry if you want to get into it. It's a beautiful poem. Very very good prose, very very catchy, good rhymes, good rhythm. It's fun reading. Um so shout out to the Bull Bitcoin guys, bullbitcoin.com if you're in Canada, go check them out if you're looking to stack sats. And then finally, we have our stalwart our friends at Unchained Capital. This episode is also brought to you by Unchained Capital. We talk a lot about multi-sig security and Unchained offers Multi-seek vaults for both individuals and businesses. Unchained's collaborative custody model is a great way to improve security, create redundancy, and reduce risk of single points of failure while also retaining control and sovereignty. Unchained also offers an integrated lending platform with multi-seek vaults. If you need liquidity but don't want to sell your Bitcoin, uh, they offer access to loans and the Bitcoin as collateral. Uh, so collateral is always stored on-chain. It is dedicated uh, in a dedicated multi-sig address with the option for you to hold a key. So if you are taking a loan out, you will have a key. And then whenever anything is moved, you will know. And your Bitcoin is never rehypothecated. And on top of this, the Unchained team is an incredible team of Bitcoiners working on supporting multiple open source projects, including Slip39, Smart Custody, Hermit, and Caravan. Go check them out if you don't know uh, what they are yet. Uh, they're, they're open sourcing their multi-sig solutions on top of a bunch of other things. Again, Slip39, Smart Custody, Hermit, and Caravan. Uh, we'll put those in the show notes. Check them out. Unchained-capital.com. That's unchained-capital.com. 2.1 quintillion. That's a, that's a lot of sets. I, I want all the sets. I can't believe you thought it was billions. I don't know where I was going. I, it's going been a on? long day, man. At least I didn't tell the kids the 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 incorrect. Yeah, thank God you didn't say that. Numbers. That would have been embarrassing. It would have been. You've had a long week, man. You've long week of travels. I mean, we talked last week when we were remote. You were in San Diego. I was here. Um, retired. I was traveling the world, dude. Yesterday we had a. Drink while handling private keys event, 
And then afterwards, we just drank heavily. So that got me too. And the birds won. Big win. Yeah. No, it was a fun event. Good for you. Great event. Um, shout out to you and Evan. And, uh, and Josh. And Josh, Josh killed and it Josh, too. Yeah. And we had a lot of people helping. Ty helped a lot. Ty helped. There was uh, a bunch of other helpers. <laughs> it was just a good vibe overall. He nope. must not be named. Yeah, he who must not be named. And uh, no, it was a good event. Uh, I think a lot of people learned. I definitely learned a lot. I did my first hand up here. Uh, pre-signed Bitcoin transaction last night. Felt good. Partially signed. Partially signed. Partially signed. I don't know why I said pre-signed. Partially signed Bitcoin transaction. Um, felt good. I feel like I grew a couple uh, chest pubes overnight. Yeah, the cold card's easier than people realize, I think. You just kind of just like dive in and play around with it. Um, just don't forget your pin. We had one guy there who put in a pin and forgot his pin. Yeah. Or like mistyped his pin twice in a row on the confirm. and Yeah, and you can't wipe it, so... Yeah. Don't forget your pin upon setup. Yeah, make sure you remember your pin. Very important. No, but it's a great device. It was very self-explanatory. But I think it was a success, the event, right? I look forward to having many more. Yeah, yeah. And there's definitely uh, a market out there of people wanting to, to learn how to use these products as well. And I think hands-on experience. I'm a very hands-on visual learner. Me too. That's where it's at. Yeah. I uh, On that note, uh, the cold card is... Uh, they uh Rodolfo teased an upcoming update to it that will allow us to verify addresses directly on device um without connecting it to a computer so it's going to have a built-in address explorer yeah so yeah the pull request is already uh in the repository just waiting to review uh shout out to hodl wave who's working on this part um so yeah you'll be able to check your addresses completely offline yeah, just right on the cold card screen, you know, and you just have it connected to power. It's not connected to the computer. And then you can, yeah, so you're, you'll, bas- you'll be able to do absolutely everything uh, with just the SD card shuttle and the cold card screen. Yeah, so again, shout out to at uh, HODLWave on Twitter, putting the team on his back for this. I'm looking at the demo now. It looks pretty dope. Yeah, it's badass. That was actually another thing about last night that I liked a lot was uh, using testnet. For some reason, testnet has always been foreign to me. And, and I never used testnet. I should use it more. Yeah, and it, and it actually makes a lot of sense. It was really great with uh, Wasabi because we were using the CoinJoin testnet. Is only two people per round, and it's less threshold. It's point zero one t uh, tbtc. So yeah, and um, and yeah, so the testnet for for you said I've never used the testnet. It's pretty cool. When you use it, and Wasabi in particular, when you uh, use it, it has to download all the filters. So the, fest, the testnet has its own uh, smaller, faster blockchain, um, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it's, like, non-functioning, but it's, like, yeah. barely used, so. Yeah. Um, the nice thing about Wasabi is that you can just flip it up, pl- flip testnet on right uh, right, right in the GUI. settings. Yeah. Yeah. No, then you just create multiple wallets within Wasabi and, and mess around with them. Yeah, it's a good model. Um, I usually, whenever I test something, I just throw a real Bitcoin in and just fuck around. Yeah, that's, that's quite reckless, but it's been my go-to way as well. But it makes you focus. It makes you focus. Um, Those chain code offices were insane. Yeah, the the chain code view is uh, it's probably one of the best in New York City. Yeah, you did not. You like, I thought you oversold it, but you actually undersold it. 
You thought I oversold it. Yeah, I mean, you had such high remarks for him, and I was like, nah, I can't be that nice. And then I walked in, and it was insanely yeah, nice. It's very nice. They're, uh, they're doing well. They're creating great software in a great environment. Yeah, it was great to see James as well. Yeah, James. Um, James they were yeah, great. James was there hanging out. Chain Code, again, shout out to Chain Code for the hospitality. Yeah, super grateful. Yeah. Super grateful. Um, but on to uh, something we probably should touch on. And we've been uh, talking about for weeks now. And we've been waiting for this news to drop. Uh, the the lightning vulnerability that was in the wild that uh, Rusty Russell made everybody aware of about a month ago or three weeks ago at this point. Um, he went on uh, the lightning mailing list today and officially released the vulnerability. So it seems like uh, people were able to create channels without funding them and then take satoshis from other sides of the channel yeah either not funding them fully or not funding them at all depending on the implementation yeah it seems pretty bad yeah it seems like a pretty bad one to be honest um yeah so i guess my understanding is with c lightning uh it like didn't even check if it was the correct funding transaction um and then for l and d the issue was you could partially fund it not not fully uh not fully fund the channel and then i guess after you create that um fake channel you send money through it and then when you close out you get paid the attacker gets paid so you can use it to drain a to drain a lightning wallet um the newest updates for all of the the three the three implementations c lightning eclair and lnd all have fixed this issue already, so make sure if you haven't updated yet, please update ASAP. Yeah, so if you're on C Lightning, you want to be on version 0.7.1. Same with LND, version 0.7.1, and Eclair, version 0.3.1. Yeah, so the newest the newest version of each. Um, and if you're on LND, there's a checker if you want to check to make sure all your channels are. Um, they posted that on the Lightning blog. Oh, you can you can do that? There's a checker so you can see if any of the currently open channels are vulnerable. Uh, yeah. Okay. And then you can abandon those channels. Um, what does this say about the state of lightning? Is this uh, is this a catastrophic oversight? No, is I think it's just. An- I mean, it's another reminder of why, you know, it's it's reckless right now to use very large amounts of money on it. Um, you know, people should still be cautious. We're testing out a new technology. Uh, it is, is that a cop out? No, I think we've said that this whole time. Like that's why it's on the second layer and not on layer one. Right. Um, I mean, I thought it was good. We even brought it up with Jack when we had Jack on the pod recently. Cause I mean, he's planning on putting a lot of money on lightning. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. I mean, again, yeah. A stark reminder that this is early days. Luckily, I mean, it doesn't seem like it's severely, at least I haven't heard any reports of it severely affecting any individual or company. Yeah, uh, so they said it got exploited, but they're not telling us specific examples of it being exploited yet, at least. Maybe we'll find out more. Um, you think maybe it was exploited by accident? Like somebody thought they funded a channel and then... What I thought was interesting is, so Rusty works for Blockstream, so he was working on Sea Lightning. He discovered the issue. Um, then he reached out to the heads at and Eclair, and they confirmed that they also had similar issues. Then they waited. 
they they released the updates that fixed the issues. Then they waited four weeks to to announce the limited disclosure, right? Update your nodes. There's a problem. Oh, that was four weeks after they discovered it? Yeah. I didn't and then that. eight weeks later, they released... Today. So today is eight weeks from the initial uh, realization of the bug in the wild. Oh, no, no, no. So check this out. They knew about it. They released the new versions. Then they waited eight weeks before they said... Um, they were waiting for people to naturally upgrade. So they waited eight weeks after that, after they originally found out. Then they give people the limited disclosure, and then four weeks after that is today. Is this responsible? It kind of makes sense because they were they were just hoping people were going to naturally upgrade. But without they, alerting potential attackers or something that there was an issue because they said once the limited disclosure went out they thought it was pretty simple for someone to figure out what was wrong at that point so they didn't disclose because it would be too obvious not enough people would be upgraded at that point so that's the rationalization um, is that what, how do you feel? How does that make you feel? Is it, are you okay with the... Uh, Quote from the, the release. While this long-standing bug had not been independently discovered and thus was unlikely to be discovered by a malicious party before being fixed, it did provide an opportunity to test communications and methods of upgrade across the entire Lightning ecosystem. It's a good spin. It's a good spin. Yeah. It's, I, 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 it'll be interesting to see where discussion goes around it. I'm not... I think it, I, you know, it seems like it was handled relatively well. So, I mean, it doesn't seem like a lot of people situation. lost money, but yeah, it is a. It does make you wonder. Well, I mean, they were watching to see if it got exploited. You know, they might have told people earlier than eight weeks if they saw someone exploiting it. Yeah. Right, because they mentioned it at eight weeks, and then someone exploited it. Remember, and then they re re-alerted everyone they were like now it's actually been exploited so make sure you're upgraded yeah i did yeah so they, yeah i do remember that uh that second warning yeah the exploit it got exploited seven days after they revealed the existence of the cvs mm-hmm. they have a full timeline on the all right so i mean it's just something that should be expected right uh, yeah but i think we kind of dodged a bullet on this one that's what huh? i was gonna say yeah, yeah. like we dodged a bullet and That'd be pretty bad if no, I, 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 I the question, the line of questioning that I'm trying to get down to is like, are you okay with what you would and maybe I perceive as uh, subject experts making this decision on the fly for the rest of the network? Um, I, I mean, can you get down with that? What with the the way that it was fixed and yeah. handled? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any great way of handling it. It's interesting because with Bitcoin layer one, you're almost incentivized not to upgrade quickly, right? Like everything's supposed to be backwards compatible. You know, what happens if one of the new updates introduces a bug or something? But with Lightning, you got to make sure you're on top of it and you're constantly updating because it is so new and it's moving fast. And it's a hot wallet. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's um, 
I mean, you're somebody who's been experimenting with it pretty pretty aggressively. Yeah, I mean, that's an understatement. But yeah, both of us, just in TFTC in general. Yeah. No, and hopefully it gets to a point where, where these catastrophic bugs, these bullets that we just dodged, are, are fewer and way far between. When it, I mean, Jack said it, we, you know... We work in, with Bitcoin as it is, you know, it's it's already a high risk thing. Um, and there's plenty of people that have, you know, way more than they should have, like on BitMEX and Binance and all these exchanges, like trading bullshit. Like you might as well just risk it on Lightning instead and experiment and help bootstrap the network. That That's my sense. view, right? Yeah. No, that is our view. That's our yeah. view here at TFTC. That's why we're experimenting with Lightning, spinning up nodes, providing liquidity. I mean, we 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 weren't uh, we weren't harmed by this bug, were we? And it doesn't look like it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, grateful for that. Yeah, be aware. Be aware. <laughs> this bug was out there. Uh, it seems to have been patched. Well, what's awesome is Noddle ships their updates super quick. So yeah, they're really on top of it. It was updated really early. Yeah. Um, on to. Uh, Onto brighter topics. It's being rumored that uh, Nicholas Maduro is uh, is hoarding bitcoins. Did I say brighter topic? Yeah, yeah, you did. I'm kidding. Is this bullish or bearish, Marty? I don't know. I don't know. I'm actually really conflicted. If you freaks have not done so already, I highly recommend you check out the most recent episode, uh, 103, with um, Mauricio Di Bartolomeo. I can't say Bartolomeo. Bartolomeo um, and Adam Reeds. Mauricio, I'm so, I just butchered your name. I'm actually going to fix that. 21, <laughs> 2130. Yeah, so if you haven't checked out the episode I recorded with uh, Mauricio and Adam from Ledin.io, uh, we dove deep into the current situation uh, in Venezuela, particularly how Venezuelans are interacting with Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies, including stable coins and the U.S. dollar and how they're transporting it and whatnot. So if you're interested to see how Bitcoin is being uh, used in Venezuela, I highly recommend you check out that episode. Mauricio has had his boots on the ground and his finger on the pulse of what's going on down there, and it's pretty crazy to see. And uh, I was actually going to wait till next week to post the episode, but uh, yesterday Bloomberg posted an article uh, basically saying that uh, there are rumors swirling that, that Maduro uh, has so much cryptocurrency on his balance sheet that he doesn't know what to do with it. And I think that's what the headline was. And so that uh, people started uh, uh, speculating about that on Twitter. And so I felt compelled to uh, post the episode. And in the episode, Mauricio describes how uh, basically some of Maduro's thugs are forcing people to buy Bitcoin via local bitcoins for the Maduro regime will basically fi- find some of the blackmail on and be like hey here's some bolivars that we just printed go to local bitcoins and send them to this address so just a roundabout way to make it look like there's natural p2p uh, exchange happening on local bitcoins in venezuela but in fact those people are proxies for the Maduro regime and then uh, due to the sanctions of the u.s government uh, that are currently on Venezuela, Venezuela can't uh, access the traditional financial system to uh, interact with the global economy. So they're taking that Bitcoin and buying medical supplies and other goods from countries like Russia and China, I believe. Um, so that's what, uh, from from Mauricio's mouth to my ears, it's 
he says is happening in Venezuela. It seems like Bloomberg is starting to corroborate the story, and it seems like we have nation states holding Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean, well, first off, I've only listened to the first half of that episode. I think you released it yesterday, yes. so I did not get to that part yet, so I'm excited to listen to that at least. Uh, the first half was very good. Um, I mean, it was an open secret that Maduro and the Venezuelans were accumulating Bitcoin. Uh, they have very cheap energy prices. They are sanctioned. Uh, you should expect most of these, especially the sanctioned states, the pariah states, to start accumulating first. Uh, it's also a very ideal currency for dictators in general, um, for their personal stashes. Uh, it's just inevitable. It's neither bullish nor bearish. It's inevitable. And if for Bitcoin, Bitcoin's value prop is that no one can be blocked, you know, that no one can be censored. And as soon as in order for like refugees to be able to use it, in order for disenfranchised people to be able to use it and not get blocked, like tyrants get away with using it. I agree, but I actually will push back a little bit in regards to whether this is bullish or bearish. Like it really depends on what the reaction of the, I guess the, the UN states is to to this uh, affront to the sanctions, right? Like if they see Bitcoin as a threat to their ability to sanction and then therefore try to throw the baby out with the bathwater, that could be bearish, to well, to short to medium term. To steel man that, uh, I mean, I think a lot of people would say that, that Maduro owning Bitcoin was already priced in, you know? <laughs> if the having's priced in, then surely, surely Maduro's priced in. Surely the uh, the clamp down of Maduro is. Oh, on that note, the freaks may have noticed that the price did fall uh, a decent amount uh, <laughs> recently, right before this post. So maybe it could have been there. Could have been some leaks there. Could have been some leaks. There's rumors of SEC action coming down towards the end of the month. Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of. I think to us, we're just that, like there was that Ponzi scheme. We, yeah, we don't try. I don't try and like put a reason on every drop or pump. It's it's usually just Bitcoin being Bitcoin. But I forget that a lot of people like the first thing they do when they listen to this week's RHR is they're going to be like, like, why did Bitcoin die? Like, what? I got a bunch of texts from some of my friends, you know, that Dude. were like, what's wrong with the bit? Like, is everything OK? The bit. Dude, you hear about the hash crash, man? The hash crash. The hash crash, dude. That sounds like that sounds like a hangover meal at Denny's or something like that. The hash crash. All right, so let's talk about the hash crash first. Let's not focus on price. Let's focus on hash rate. Uh, the hash crash in quotation. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, the block explorers and uh, data providers online, like blockchain ourselves included tftc.io it actually had good timing with this because we talked about how the hash rate was measured last week yeah um yeah yeah so if you go back and listen to last week's episode we explain it but this week was a great example in the variance of block time intervals and how that can affect reported hash rate on some of these websites uh so what happened we had a, a slew of long blocks i believe there was like a 75 minute a block that took 75 minutes to mine and uh, that is sort of a two sigma event. It's not, it happens once or twice a year. Um, but because of that block, or I don't know if it was a 75 minute block, but whatever, there was a few slow blocks in a row that, that uh, made the hash rate, made the hash rate look measurements low. look low. Yes. And then, um, and then within a day, uh, the blocks had adjusted. They were coming in normally and hash rate is now being reported 
back to where it was earlier in this week, but yeah, it just highlights that there like you really have to take into consideration how these data providers are measuring hash rate. Like for example, if you went to Peter Willa's uh, site, I think Nick Carter pointed out he uses like a I believe like a seven day window, right? Seven day window. Yeah. So it's well like blockchain.info uses twelve to twelve or something. Yeah. Like yeah, exactly. A twenty four hour window. Um so some data providers have more smoothed out data. But don't freak out the the well, all the proof of stake shills came out of the woodwork, and they were like, "Bitcoin is dying; it's under attack." Well, apparently, Amon was saying stuff. I can't see it. I don't yeah, know. I'm blocked as well. But, but I, I've heard through the grapevine that that was the case. Yeah, fuck that dude. Um, but yeah, no, just so just so you freaks know, yeah, finding a block is probabilistic, so it's not going to come in every ten minutes. It's a poison distribution. Yes, um, and uh, yeah. Yeah, and 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 then hash rate and hash rate measurement isn't an exact science. You know, it's a estimate, and depending on how you do it, you can get. That's why if you look at like blockchain.info's hash rate chart and stuff, it's it's it like looks like wild volatility up and down. Yeah, because it's not smooth. No, if you, if it's not averages. Even just like looking at TFTC throughout the day, I'll just like look up and see the ticker, and it'll just be completely different than where it was like a couple hours ago. Yeah, we got to get that smoothed. We do, DJ. I know you're listening. Put it in the notes. Um, speaking of notes, we've got uh, an update on Erlay. Erlay, we touched on earlier in the summer, recorded an episode with one of the co-creators, uh, co-contributors, co-creators of Erlay, uh, Gleb Nelmanko. Uh, if you want to learn about Erlay in depth, go check that episode out. Uh, but basically, Erlay is a messaging a new would be a new messaging protocol uh that nodes would use to send and receive transaction data between each other and this would severely severely reduce uh bandwidth um requirements for nodes uh, i believe we were pointing out earlier in baruch uh right now if you're connected to 24 peers on average you're going to consume about 18 gigabytes of bandwidth over the course of a month uh in early simulations, if it is uh, as good as it is in the in the test, it, that would be reduced from again eighteen gigabytes down to below one gigabyte per month connected to twenty four peers. So, re- severely reduces the um, the bandwidth requirements to run a node, which makes it uh, easier for people in parts of the world with uh, worse off internet connections to to run nodes. And um, yeah, so it's good for decentralization overall. And yesterday, or two days ago at this point, I believe, uh, Peter Willa and Gleb uh, dropped an official BIP for Erlay. Um, it's not completely fleshed out yet. They don't know how it's going to get implemented. They have only have a beta prototype uh, right now. But the, the ball is moving forward with Erlay. And it doesn't break consensus. So there's no... No, it's P2P. Yeah, so there'll be, there'll be no fork. No, yeah. It's uh, completely opt-in backward compatible um but yeah again we strive for an ideal and these are the non-flashy uh lunch pail gritty changes to the network that that probably won't get a lot of uh a lot of coverage and in a lot of places you won't see people screaming about on twitter as a great innovation but it does uh seem like it would be a huge boon to 
uh, making the system more robust than it is now. And the trade-off was a slight worse latency, right? Yeah, but even that, that trade-off... It was like negligible, right? It was negligible, but it, that trade-off may even lead to b- better privacy, I believe, too. Interesting. But yeah, ab- obviously, the more peers, the better. The lower bandwidth, the better. Um, this will help with stuff like Eclipse Attacks, too. Yes. Yeah. I wonder if it helps. It kind of makes sense in my my brain that it would help in that other attack that was like the isp the arabic attack? attack yeah mm-hmm. definitely more peers the better yeah no the lebanite uh in the episode with lab he, he he's i think he said that uh specifically yeah it wouldn't be perfect but it would help yeah um so yeah that again that bips out if any of you freaks are capable uh, of helping test that check it out we'll put the github Excuse me. The link to the GitHub repository in the notes. Check it out. Review it. See what's going on. Um, speaking of things dropping this week, we have another stacking Sats app that dropped uh, this week. The the waiting list is open at least, and it's going to allow you uh, to basically shop at Amazon and get Sats back. The Fold app launched their new app. Yeah, they have Amazon support. Amazon support. Massive. They're uh, they've created a quasi VPN for shopping. Yeah, they're trying will. to be more privacy focused. Yeah. So you want to jump into that? Well, like they buy a gift card, essentially, I guess, like a store credit. So the store only sees that it's Fold who bought whatever you bought and Fold, I guess Fold sees. Yeah. But, oh, no, no, but your payment network only sees Fold. That was it. That's the other side. Yeah. Right. So they, on your like credit card bill or whatever they use, debit card, it would show payment to Fold. And then at the retailer, it would show payment from Fold. It's my understanding. Yeah. And yeah, so it's Sats back. It's just another addition to Sats back. It's good to see. I, they're in early early access right now. I think there's like a wait list. Do they drop it yet? Uh, I think they drop it today. The actual the, the support gets added today. Because before you had to pay through Bitcoin to use Fold. And you got Sats back when you paid with Bitcoin. Now... You can also pay with fiat. Yeah, they're adding fiat capabilities. Was it like Amazon, Uber, Starbucks, big names? Yeah, big names. Shout out to that team. I like, I'm a big, big fan of Will over there at Fold. Um, again, like it's uh, just getting products out there, more products in people's hands, more useful products in people's hands. Turning Bitcoin, turning Sats into the standard uh, loyalty points system would be like absolutely massive. Like imagine. Imagine the sats, the amount of sats back being paid every day, being more than the actual block reward. Like you would just, because most miners sell right away, right? That's the outstanding philosophies or theory. So most miners sell right away to cover their expenses, rent, labor, taxes, insurance, overhead. In general. Yeah. So if we could negate their sell pressure with just constant sats back, that'd be pretty crazy. And it's just a good way for people to get KYC for your Bitcoin or KYC light in the words of Janine. KYC light. I like that term. Yeah. Uh, KYC light for you freaks that don't know are services where you can use pseudonyms and bunk data and also get access to Bitcoin. Oh, that reminds me. We should do a free uh, BISC show. Free BISC show. If you haven't tried BISC yet, you should consider downloading it and giving it a spin. Yeah. Our boy Pedro was in our ear last night about... Uh, Shilling, shilling bisque. I mean, a bisque needs some more love. And the bisque, so bisque is a decentralized exchange. 
um, that you like everyone runs a node on their computer and it is peer to peer and you can go from fiat to to Bitcoin. Yeah. And it's global because it's peer to peer. It's global and they also like if you want to contribute to it, they have a DAO um and with a BIS token. Yeah, with the yeah. BIS token. Yeah. Are you shilling tokens now, Matt? No, definitely not shilling the token, but it seems like it's I guess kind of kosher. So I haven't really looked into it. Yeah. But the actual software seems legit. The only issue is that there's not that much liquidity. Um, which means people don't have like outstanding buy and sell orders. Yeah. We should talk to Manfred is the So the more people that use it, Manfred? the better it gets. It's like Ma- CoinJoin. Is Manfred the guy behind Bisc? Right? I know Wiz is involved. Yeah. Um we should get them on the podcast. I think you might be right. Yeah. Um no, yeah, check I, I mean hand up. I haven't checked out Bisc yet. I need I to installed it. it once and there was like no liquidity and then I just never used it again. That's a big knock. But I will probably. How do you? I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna reinstall it and. I can see Bisk being one of those situations. Put an open order in. It's Bisk is one of those products though. That it, it was like BridgeFi. Like we were talking about this, uh, Baruch today. It's like BridgeFi for the Hong Kong protesters that they did actually download it when they actually needed it. Bisk has proven to be that product for local bitcoins and local bitcoins implemented KYC AML. You saw Bisk's uh, volume go up considerably. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, interestingly enough, Bisc's big volume is in altcoins, like specifically Monero to Bitcoin. Um, and that was mostly, I would say, because Shapeshift shut down. Or Shapeshift added KYC, and no one wants to buy Monero with KYC. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I think as, uh, as the constraints of KYC AML, or maybe if Trump gets p- pissed at Maduro and tries to... Uh, tries to blackball bitcoin we'll all be moving to bisque anyway yeah i mean i think that's why things like bisque are super important yeah exactly that's the point of and, even, and things like even hodl hodl which is which is centralized but uh doesn't use kyc and is uh peer-to-peer and uh non-custodial yeah um yeah so go check out bisque if you haven't already i should probably give it a whirl too um as a bitcoiner just try it out and the Hoddle Hoddle guys like open source their whole business, so hopefully they'll be like competitors, other little centralized P two P shops. Yeah, the Hoddle Hoddle's dope. Roman and uh, and Roman and uh, Max, excuse me, Max in particular. I think he he actually dropped like a new video series podcast. He has a cool little video with Yakimo. Um, to check out. It was a good discussion. I. I I caught a, I caught that a couple of weeks ago. Oh, that's awesome! I gotta check that out. Yeah. Um, the other thing that was interesting is we didn't talk about it. Casa released their full like security. Uh, they like open sourced all their security decisions. Yeah. And the reasoning for them and what decisions they, why they didn't make certain decisions, why they made other decisions, which I thought was pretty awesome. Yeah. No, it's um. The collaborative nature coming out and just. Hey, here's why we did this. It, it help drive innovation in the space, and yeah, the more the merrier. Like the more people are are uh, sort of sh- sharing these ideas and this adversarial thinking, the better. I mean, that's like one thing I learned uh, last night, like with our conversation, like with Janine today. It's like so many facets of of your opsec and your privacy 
are go overlooked. Like you, there's so much to take into consideration uh, if you want to if you want to do this truly privately and sovereign. Yeah, I mean that address you sent a text. You know, you sent a text message with a Bitcoin address like three years ago. It could link your whole stash. Yeah, fucked. Yeah. yeah. Watch it. That Janine episode is going to drop on Tuesday. Really great episode. Um, we got a last topic here. Your favorite. The ETH gas limit was uh, the miners. Which is their block size, right? Yes. It's the same thing as the block size. Yeah. So the Ethereum uh, gas limit was uh, was raised to, I believe, 10 million or something like that. 10 million. Um, what does that mean? No idea. No, I'm kidding. Um, it means that they're bigger blocks, basically, I believe. Um, 10 million gas is the limit. Yeah, 10 million gas. But that's a decision that's decided by miners. I believe. It was at 8 million before. Yes. So they raised it uh, 25%. 25%. Um, but it was like, the reason it's on the list is like, inter- like the, the governance of how this happened. There was like no... Uh, the, yeah, the top three pools just decided like fees were high, we're going to raise the limit. Yeah, and they just raised it. No, that's like a learning moment. Between, difference between Bitcoin and Ethereum. Ethereum, the miners decide decide like the the community has uh, allocated that decision to the miners, and they decide to to raise the gas limit. So that means that there's more potential data in each block, correct? Yeah. So like it, they just made an Ethereum node even harder to fucking run. Yeah. It's already super difficult. Thinking Fura's bills just went up. Yeah. Yeah. Is absolutely. Furious and Fura, watch out. <laughs> Calling the miners and pool. And then, I mean, the fees are still pretty high anyway, even with the gas limit increased. Well, what's been going on? There's like been like Ponzi's, right? That, that's been like the, the fair play or something like that. Fair win. It's just fair interesting win. that, uh, and like, I'm glad, but it's a little bit ironic, or a lot of bit ironic. It's like now... High fees are like unavoidable and good thing. Is like the under is like they finally like that's finally the understanding, but it's because Ethereum fees are so fucking high right now. They're trying to trot out that like because uh, I believe Ethereum has collected more fees than Bitcoin. Ethereum miners have collected more fees than Bitcoin miners, or at least at one point they did. Like the last week or two. Yes, and pointing to that is is Ethereum. Yeah, Fairwin is the number one being better, but I think you have to take into consideration board. the uh, the economic density uh, that's being pushed through per fee. Right now, it's three cents a transaction. That's not bad. Seven guay. Guay or way? G W E I. Um, I'm so lost to be honest. Okay, yeah, but Fairwin's the most used. But whatever, it, that's just crazy that they can just. I don't know. Arbitrarily raise it. It would suck to be running an Ethereum node. That's all. Yeah. Um, and like, when when did they plan on transitioning? Like, is is it is still it January? Is it still early January? Yeah. It's like, are the miners just trying to get as much money as possible before? That's like the weird dynamic, before right? Before get closed off. Why would the miners be fine with going to proof of stake? Yeah. We shall see. They might as well just keep mining. I don't know. It should be interesting, I guess. We can watch it unfold. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll see if I'll be adding to that thread. Maybe my thread will come to an end. I won't be able to post in that. Uh, you you think your thread will finally end? 
going on for two years plus now. Your uh, your ETH, your what? Your second? What do we call it? Second system. ETH has second system syndrome. Yeah, I would argue. Your um, ETH second system, second system thread. Well, it's not even like that. W- that thread was based off of Nassim Taleb's. Uh, it's basically the reverse Lindy. Like so. Oh right. Like everybody likes to talk about Lindy effect and stuff like that, but there's also, I don't even know if it's called direct li- or excuse me, reverse Lindy, but uh, the the concept is that if you uh, you plan a project and you set a due date and you do not hit that due date the first time, you can extend that project like fifty percent of the time into the future, and then at that point, if you don't hit your due date, you can extend it. Like something like seventy percent into the future, and so once on you start so pushing forth. it off, you're fucked. Exactly. Once you start pushing the the due date or the completion date of the project off, uh, it's gonna. It's the longer you wait, the longer you will be expected to wait. That is the quote from the book, um, and that's what I believe the transition to proof of stake will look like for Ethereum. I believe when they originally marketed it, before they even launched, they they wanted to transition within eighteen months. Yeah, they were way off. Yeah, they've been off. Well, the it. whole point was like you could get in on the pre-mine and then you never get diluted. Yeah. Like, do you, didn't Vitalik famously say like we'll never go over a hundred million ETH? Yes, yes, yeah. he's famously said that. I famously also said that uh, internet, the internet's digital currency, is uh, not workable if there are five cent fees. Yeah, there you go. Um, is actually a good segue into our final topic. I thought that was our final topic, but we forgot to put this on the list officially. But I remember we talked about it before. Binance launching official staking services. Yeah, yeah, that was this was I mean, it seems obvious. Like if you have proof of stake, exchanges are going to become the dominant stakers because people don't they exchanges can offer easier staking. They can even offer higher rewards. Um, and, and the exchanges want it because they, they'll subsidize it because they just want you on their platform. They want you to trade and use their other services. So why would you want your chain secured by like the most vulnerable organizations? Like exchanges already have too much influence. Um, this just gives them even more influence. They become your dominant validators at the same exact time. And Binance is just doing exactly what one would expect and you could we coinbase is moving that way too now coinbase is offering staking this is actually one of your most famous twitter threads your your thread of uh, exchange staking yeah dude i've been going after proof of stake with you for a long fucking time and they just refuse to launch it so it's <laughs> yeah it's tight so like now we're like like binance obviously doesn't let you stake eth because eth isn't proof of stake yet but they, I think they have like eight chains that you can stake now. You, all you have to do is just move them into your Binance account. Like CZ tweeted out, he was like, you literally have to do nothing and we just give you free money. That's, a, that's the way the world works. It's that easy, people. It's that easy. I just don't... It seems unavoidable. They say they'll use you know trustless pools and trust-minimized pools and stuff like that. But I think everyone's just going to use the fucking exchanges. We already have problems with people keeping Bitcoin on exchanges, and they don't even get stake benefits from them. Yeah, it's uh again, it's too again the economies of scale that come with exchange staking and do you think are they, unavoidable. The ETFs are going to stake, <laughs> right? Like imagine like a staking ETH ETF. That would be like a juggernaut. They would have so much influence. 
Is that the way the world's going to go? Well, first they have to actually Acquire release it. a proof of stake. That, yeah, that too. Yes. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We shall see. We'll be here to talk about it. We will. They deserved as much fun as, as possible this episode after what they did with the with the hash crash. So That's true. Yeah. Proof of stake. It's environmentally friendly. And that's about it, right? It's not environmentally friendly. I know. Go read your truthcoin.info, people. It's just as expensive in uh, capital uh, destroying as, as proof of work. Capital? Yeah. Proof uh, of work is amazing proof for the world. It's beautiful. We got to explain proof of work to... Uh, proof of work is green. Yeah. Had to end, had to end the, uh, the college visit today with... Uh, with a Bitcoin mining isn't bad for the environment to be all. Yeah, that was completely off tangent. No one brought it up. I had to bring it Last up. Last semester, someone brought it up. There was like an ETH head in the crowd and they, they raised their hand. And they're like, why don't you care about the environment? And Marty just got triggered. But this time, no one mentioned it at all. And just like right before the class ended, he was like, wait, 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 wait. I need to go on an energy rant just in case like anyone ever hears about anything bad about energy and Bitcoin and you just went on a rant. You need to be armed with this, <laughs> with this rhetoric, all right? Not rhetoric, this logic. Um, ah, is that a 40 slip there? Um, I'm tired, dude. It's been a long week. It's been a great week of content. Great uh, two weeks of content. Yeah, dude, hustling. You're about to record right after this, too. Got Travis Kling coming through. Um, yeah, about to sit down with him. Thank you, freaks, for 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 joining us for all your support for buying the t-shirts. If you guys want some merch, merch is still there. TFTC.io/slash/merch. Um, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Let us know uh, what you're thinking. Any topics you want to talk touch on? Let us know how we're doing. You got anything, Matt? Love you, freaks. Stay humble, stack sets. Peace and love.